Black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin on Monday on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by... PT's Taverns. Order all your favorite PT's food online, delivery, and pickup options available at PT'sTaverns.com. They have the pregame specials we've been talking about. Get ready for the games with PT's 24-7. Pregame specials from $3. Enjoy $2 Bacardi or Grey Goose and $5 Howlerhead Whiskey Shots. It's the best happy hour in town. As you know, 50% off drinks, 5 to 7 and midnight to 2 with over 60 locations, there's always a tavern near you. Visit PTstaverns.com to find yours today. PTs, they fuel the monologue. Former MVP Rich Gannon is going to join us in a few moments, so stick around for that. He's part of the Raiders broadcast team in the preseason, and he's been out in Vegas here for a number of days analyzing the team. We'll talk to him. Former Raider safety Stuart Swigert at the bottom of the hour. Saw him at Alumni Weekend, the big alumni event here in town. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal will join us. And Gilbert Manzano, who covers the Chargers for the OC Register, he'll join us next hour. Raider Nation, what would you think? You went into the stadium for the first time with fans for a game. That's the show. Want to hear from everybody, from those who saw me at the ribbon cutting, as I got a chance to emcee that if you were inside the building and you were able to see your seats with fans next to you. How was the whole experience in general? How much did you enjoy it? I thought the Raiders looked really good in the game. They played a clean preseason game. There's no doubt that the Raiders came to win that game for a number of reasons. They wanted to have a good performance with the players that they decided to play. A lot, Not a lot of starters playing, obviously, for both teams. But I thought the Raiders were better prepared, more focused to win the game. They lined up well, and overall, Nathan Peterman played fine. They were able to run the football. Raiders look good. I don't put too much into the preseason. I'm not celebrating. We're not treating it like a regular season game, but I think there should be a lot of positivity around here for the way the Raiders looked in that game, especially if you paid those prices for those tickets to go to a preseason game. You saw a good game. You saw a Carlos Santana concert at halftime, which was amazing. And you got an opportunity to run around and see your friends at the stadium, which had to be a lot of fun. You know, we're not the negative show that rips on the parking and talks about the traffic and this and that. Get over it. Figure it out. I know other people are talking about it here, but I thought it ran pretty smoothly. I talked to a lot of my friends who I saw their fans. When I got to my seats, where I saw a couple of my buddies, I asked everybody what they thought. They were all having a blast. So if you sat in the 400s in the upper deck all the way to the Winfield Club, I want to know how that experience was for you. As I tweeted out earlier, there will never, ever be a preseason game with that many people again. I don't see how. There's no new stadiums coming online. I don't see 60,000-plus fans coming to a preseason game anytime soon. just doesn't happen. People don't show up for the games, but they showed up for this one. What do you think of the acoustics of the place? How loud it was. That's really important. Because when the Raiders scored their first touchdown, they were coming to me at the section where I was in at that time working on the broadcast, and I couldn't hear myself. Peterman told the crowd to be quiet. It was loud. 
And Garth Brooks in the soccer game was one thing, but this was a football game. So that was pretty important to hear how loud it is. A number of people texted me and said, I can't believe how loud it is in here, which I think is going to be a benefit for the Raiders going forward. So everything is open and on the table today. Everything. I want to hear from you. We tell stories on sports radio. How was the experience for you? What did you think of the team? What did you think of Nate Hobbs? The offensive line, Leatherwood, Damon Arnett, the players that you got a chance to see, 702-365-9200. There should be hundreds of Raider fans calling in this week and from here on out on the experience, let alone Allegiant Stadium, because that's what this has been all about. I want to hear from you on that, 702-365-9200. Did you tailgate? How was the heat for the tailgate? I didn't get a chance to tailgate. I got in there pretty early, and we set up for the ribbon-cutting cu- uh, ceremony right above the Raider image. And that was one of the coolest things I was ever involved with. The people I got to introduce, Carlos Santana, Marie Osmond, all the dignitaries that were in town. That was one of the coolest views I've ever had looking over a crowd in my life. I mean, I the hair on my arm stood up when I walked out there. And then finally, at the end, got a chance to introduce Mrs. Davis and Mark Davis as they were about to cut the ribbon. It was cool. And then everybody came in right after that. I thought there was going to be about maybe a five-minute pause for the dignitaries to get back inside the building. And the next thing you know, the fans are coming up the stairs and walking in with uh, Tommy Smith and all the dignitaries who were there. And I thought that was really cool. I loved it. I was just proud to be a part of an historic day and night in Vegas. Former Raiders MVP quarterback Rich Gannon, kind enough to join us, friend of the show, also on the Raiders preseason broadcast. Rich, good to see you the other day, and I'm sure you're having a great time in Vegas. How's your trip been so far? It's been great, brother, and you know it was really fun to see the team go out and, and play as well as they did. I just thought the energy, the tempo, the pace of play was terrific, and I you know, got a chance to spend a lot of time with them during the week out on the practice field, and you know, this team has worked really hard in the desert. You know, they've been out there early in the mornings. Um, I think the effort, the intensity, the focus, the preparation, really what you expect. I just just kind of like how this team's coming together. I think it's a really good mix of some veteran players that they've added that I think could really help, especially along the defensive line in the secondary on that side of the ball. A new a voice in Gus Bradley. And I just think when you look at what they've added, in terms of the leadership with some veteran players and some good young players that, that like to work, I think it's going to bode well for the Raiders in 2021. Rich, let's stay with the defense. You mentioned Gus Bradley. Last year was a big problem lining up, breaking the huddle on defense and having players lined up. I know this was just a preseason game, but what do you think of the communication and to see the twos and threes line up correctly and then make tackles in the open field? I think it's going to be a smarter defense. You mentioned Gus Bradley. Really, JT, as you know, his philosophy, it's a player-friendly system where young players can come right in and play. I mean, he learned that from his time in Seattle with John Schneider, the general manager, and Pete Carroll. I mean, you look at Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, all these players weren't first-day draft picks but came in and were major contributors right away. So his big deal, less volume, he wants simplicity so the players can go out and play fast. He doesn't want them thinking about 10 things prior to the snap. So there's a real emphasis on technique and fundamentals, a lot of repetition, uh, more speed on the field, which is going to be something important when you play against Kansas City and the Chargers in this division. Uh, And I just think that 
they're going to be better. I think I think they're going to they're going to play better fundamentally. I think you mentioned the tackling. Tackling was a major issue a season ago. Raiders missed the league high 143 tackles last year. I just think you know you focus you get what you you get what you what you you know stress and and uh, you know and that's going to be tackling fundamentals and communication. I think the Raiders are going to be a lot better defensively. Rich Gannon's our guest. So Rich on defense with Yannick Ngakwe coming in, Max Crosby. I wanted to talk about Cleland Farrell because of the addition of Gerald McCoy and what the Raiders have added with the interior pass rush with Quentin Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins. I mean, these guys got to pop, Rich. Someone's got to make a play. It's been a while around here since a defensive tackle was a dominant player. Do you think that defensive line and the depth and this rotation that you talked with Gus Bradley and Coach Gruden will save their legs so they're fresher in the fourth quarter and they can make more plays? Well, you're right, JT. I mean, this is a defense that's starving for sacks and for pressure on the quarterback. They had just 21 sacks this season to go fourth fewest in the league, and only 14 and a half of them came from the defensive line. I mean, you think about Crosby getting seven of the 14 and a half. I mean, that's that's literally no production from that group. So you mentioned, you know, Ngakwe. They went out and signed Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, Gerald McCoy. If he can get healthy and be productive, I mean, he's a difference maker inside. I think really the philosophy is, is you know, getting keeping fresh bodies on the field, you know, and, and be able to have two lines that you can roll through there. Um, you know, they've added 13 new players on defense through free agency, the draft. And really the focus is, is to try and, you know, create and generate more of a pass rush. And that's going to help the guys in the back end, certainly. But I really just believe when you look at the players we just talked about, and you can get Ngakwe on one side, Max Crosby on the other. Now it allows them to move Farrell around a little bit. And I think he can play inside. I think maybe that's where the majority of his reps are going to come and pass rush reps inside. I mean, He's, it's been a disappointing start to his career. There's no question about that. They need more production from him in year three. The good thing I, I like, JT, is he has to earn his reps this year. You know, They're just going to throw him out there because he was the fourth overall pick in the draft in 2019. He's going to have to earn every rep he gets in this defense. Rich, a couple other players on defense. I think it's make or break years, and they're young already. Jonathan Abram was out of position you know, he's been hurt his first year. He lost that last year. He made some mistakes, but he's a heat-seeking missile, and he can tackle, and he is very athletic. What have you seen from him? And then the follow-up will obviously be Damon Arnett, who's now being pushed to either play slot and maybe a slot corner or go behind Casey Hayward and try to compete that way. These were high draft picks that need to play at a high level. A lot, of, a lot has been invested in those two players. You're right, and I, I think you have to start with the health. I mean, both have missed time. Uh, let's start with Jonathan Abram. He's a physical downhill player, and I think when you look at what they did in the draft with, uh, you know, drafting Trayvon Merrick, he, he's going to be more of the box player down, you know, down around the line of scrimmage, which is really where he's probably at his best. A little bit of a liability in coverage. You know, that was a little bit of an issue last year. He's got to get better in that area, but he is a physical, uh, you know tackler and he can be a real difference maker and he can be a great blitzer so um you know he's got to take, he's got to take the next step in his development certainly staying on the field and being healthy is a big part of it you mentioned damon arnett i mean a rough rookie season he dealt with the wrist surgery the concussions <clears throat> he's another guy who needs to stay on the field and, and make good on his first round draft status he gained 20 pounds i think he's much more focused he's committed to his craft uh it really starts and ends there 
JT, you know that. I mean, this this guy has got to buy and be all in. You know, just can't miss practice. Um, he's a player who needs the reps, but he is extremely fast. He's explosive. He needs to be a better tackler. Uh, the good news is he's got some background in this system. You know, he was at Ohio State uh, as a, a, a defensive assistant there that uh, worked with Gus Bradley and some of those guys back in the day. And so some of the verbiage and terminology and some of the scheme, I think it fits him well. But um, he's another guy that's going to have to earn his reps. I mean, I, I like that. I, I just don't like when you draft a player in the first round uh, that early and just throw him out there and say, well, you're a first round, you don't play. But let's make him earn it. And I think when you look at what they've done in free agency by bringing in some really good players, uh, that, that's going to force him. Casey Hayward is a really still a productive guy. And uh, Damon Arnett's going to have to earn his reps in, in this defense. Rich Gannon's our guest. So you spent time at practice and in meetings. What do you think of the offensive line? Leatherwood, Colton Miller, we'll see him a lot more in the regular season. But with Andre James up front and what the Raiders are trying to put together with Tom Cable, you know who left. And a couple of players, including Trent Brown, didn't deserve to be back. But Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson are gone. How do you like the rebuilt offensive line, Rich? You know, I think it's a work in progress, but I'm encouraged by what I've seen. Uh, I think Tom Cable does a terrific job. Uh, I think one of the things that's really going to help, and JT and I mentioned this during the broadcast, it's really the first time that they've seen a quality group of pass rushers to go up against in practice. I mean, think about that. So they're getting some good competition in practice, uh, which is only going to help their development. I think Colton Miller is a solid player at the left tackle position. Richie Incognito still has got a little left in the tank. It's really the center, the right guard, and the right tackle. Leatherwood is going to be a really good player. Uh, he is big. He's strong. He's physical. Uh, he played left guard and left tackle in college. He's got an excellent strength and quickness. Uh, where he's going to struggle, there's some pass protection issues he needs to clean up from a technical perspective. I think that's still going to be a work in progress. But uh, once he figures it out, he'll be in good shape. And he's playing on the right side. He's going to get some help over there. He's get some tight end presence. I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, I really like Andre James. You know, here's a guy that didn't play a snap uh, last year on offense primarily a special teams player, just one career start. But uh, he's a physical guy. He's athletic. He can get out and run. He can get up on the second level. He can get out in front of the screens. Uh, I think it's a big challenge for him. He just needs reps. And the, and the communication is going to be really important. You know, Derek Carr is probably top two, top three quarterback in the game when it comes to the amount that they put on his shoulders at the line of scrimmage. Not a lot of people talk about that. Maybe not a lot of people, people know that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, John Gruden gives him a menu of plays, and he's got a lot. I mean, that, that has expanded significantly. He's a very smart player. Uh, and so that communication goes back to the center in terms of the checks, the calls, the run game, uh, all the responsibilities. So he's got, that's an area of his game where he has to get better quickly. But it does help to have a, a veteran quarterback that's been in the system now and heading into his fourth season that can kind of be the air traffic controller. But that's going to be a challenge, I think, for Andre James as well, just uh, making sure that they're all on the same page. Wrapping it up with Rich Gannon, former MVP. Rich, it's important now for Derek, and you would know this, you developed into an MVP, and you understand the progression and the growth of your career. I think it's a great example now with Derek, what is next? What have you seen on film from talking to him? You talked about this menu of plays. He's got all these great weapons. Is it more mobility outside the pocket? Is it more attacking the middle of the field, throwing deeper? What, is, what does he have to do this year to elevate his game 
and maybe you know move up three or four positions in this league as one of the premier quarterbacks? Well, there's, there's a lot to like there, uh, and, and I know you know I feel that way about him. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. look, here's a guy that doesn't miss starts. He's missed, I think, just two regular season starts in his first seven seasons. You know, holds a franchise record for you know passing yards and touchdowns. Um, he's extremely accurate. You look what he's done the last three years on the Gruden, 69%, 70%, you know, 67% last year. He gets the ball out quick. Um, and you mentioned, you know, we talked about it. It's just the history that he has in this offense. When you have history in a system, a problem arises, you, know, you quickly know how to fix it. I mean, he's an amazing communicator. Gruden said he's so good from the neck up. And the more that they give him, the better, you know, the better the Raiders are. If there's two areas of his game where he can be better, and uh, and I've talked to him about it. I think one is ball security in the pocket. That's what Gruden mm-hmm. mentioned as well. It's, it's not, the, not the picks. He doesn't throw a lot of picks. But he has a tendency to put the ball on the ground in the pocket. You know, and pass rush gets, you know, gets in there. You know, someone comes from behind. Um, someone gets beat off the edge. You know, you'd say, yeah, the left tackle got beat, but the quarterback fumbled. And you say, well, the left tackle got beat. Well, in the quarterback room, we don't care. The left tackle got beat. We, you know, it's our job to hold him to the football. You got to do a better job holding on the football from the pocket. The other thing is the unscripted offense. You know, can he make more plays with his legs? Can he, when something breaks down, can he can he manufacture a big play? You watch the guy in Kansas City. You watch the guy in Green Bay. Um, you know, some of the elite quarter guy in Baltimore. You know, you, you got to be able. There's going to be a half dozen plays every week in this league where something bad happens. The guy misses a block. Guy falls down. A receiver doesn't come out of the break, can you manufacture a play? Can you get us, can you run for a first down? Can you find a completion? Can you get us out of a bad situation? And that's an area where, you know, he continues to get better, but it's certainly a point of emphasis, taking better care of the ball in the pocket and some of the unscripted offense that, that they'd like to see more of from Derek Carr. Finally, Rich, every year since I've known you and I look and then we go through preseason and the broadcast, the team's supposed to be better. Coming off the year before, they had free agency, trades, the ability to sign players and get better. And this team brought in Gus Bradley, new coaches. And there's no doubt the roster is better, but they lost a couple of good players. Where do you stand with this team now in the fourth year with Gruden and Carr? Because I think they're a better team. I know they're a better team, especially on defense, but you got to look at those wins. And right out of the gate, they open up with Lamar Jackson and Ben Roethlisberger. And you know how tough the AFC West is, and Raider Nation's been waiting a long time to get back to the playoffs. How optimistic are you early in the preseason that this could be a playoff team? Well, I, I am optimistic, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a pessimist for sure. So, I, you know, I, look, I agree with you, JT. I think Coach Gruden would say the same. I mean, you know, it's time to put up. I mean, you know, you could talk a lot about it. You can talk about you know, the new stadium. You can talk about the facilities. You can talk about the new players we've added. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, that win-loss record. And, you know, instead of 16 opportunities this year, there's going to be 17. And each one of them is critical. And they've got to do a better job in, in, in certain areas. And you talk about the importance of situational football. We saw what happened late in games last year. I mean, they lost three games inside of two minutes because they couldn't finish. And that's not just on the defense. I mean, the offense has opportunities to put teams away and, you know, not give the ball back to them. So I think, you know, finishing late in games, I think even the conditioning from a defensive perspective, I think was a problem last year. They didn't have a single takeaway in the last four games of the season. You know, they gave up 176 fourth-quarter points, most in football, 176 fourth-quarter points. You know, they just wore down late. 
And so, you know, th- that's got to get better. Um, you know, they were minus 11 in the, in the plus minus turnover ratio. You know, that's, you just, that's only two teams were worse. You just don't give yourself a chance. They don't take the ball away on defense and they coughed it up too many times on offense. So, I mean, I think there's some areas. Here's the good news, and I'll leave you with this. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, brand-new stadium, uh, you know, new facility. Everybody's excited. But they had no fans in the stadium. And I'm not making excuses for them. But, JT, you were there the other night. You got that party started. You got that place rocking. The NFL teams had no home field advantage last year. NFL teams actually had a losing record. They were 127-128-1 in the regular season. The worst cumulative record for home teams in NFL history, and the Raiders were just two and six. That can be a huge home field advantage when that place is full and rocking with the Raider Nation. And I just think if if that happens, and it will, and the players and the Raiders can get off to a good start this year, I'll tell you what, it can go quick now. You can build some momentum in a hurry. And we could be talking about a really a good playoff caliber team. But again, you gotta do the little things, right? You gotta you gotta do all the little things it takes put yourself in a position to have a chance to win each and every week. Thanks, Rich. Great talking to you. Have a great broadcast season. We'll talk to you in the regular season. See you, brother. You got it. Rich Gannon, fantastic. Former MVP quarterback of the Silver and Black. He is a brilliant analyst. Okay, that's just the Raiders. He can do that with every team. He can do that with every team in the league, and he's going to have more opportunities with broadcasting going forward. Uh, you know, that was a long interview. He gave us a lot of time. I know a lot of fans want to ask him about coaching. He's not comfortable with that. He's in the building. There's coaches who have jobs in the building. You know, Rich is just going to tell me that he's, he's good doing what he's doing. But there's a guy that I've always believed will have a bigger role within the Raider organization because he's just too important. He's sharp. He knows Gruden well. He knows the league He knows the personnel, and he's focused. He's laser-focused on getting this team back and to do the right things to be a playoff team again. And he is optimistic about it. Rich is an optimistic guy with all of that. I think his conversations with Derek are very important, and we're not going to be privy to all of it, but he led us down the road of ball security and making bigger plays with his legs. And I think that Derek has the ability to do that. The question will become, is Derek comfortable throwing the ball into coverage when Ruggs is covered, when Waller is covered, and they're open downfield and he gets out of the pocket and the pocket's breaking down and someone isn't wide open where he's got to get the ball in there. Will he do that more? That could lead to more interceptions and turnovers, but it could lead to a win or two because he wins the game making that play the way Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers is able to do that. I think Derek's got the talent to do it. But Rich is a valuable asset on that broadcast team with Matt Millen and Beth Mowens. And to have him in the building and to see him in the building last week, it's just great to see it. It's a natural fit for Rich Gannon to be around the Raiders because of his past and what he means to the organization and will always mean to the organization. 702-365-9200. Good time for you to get through before our next interview with Stuart Swigert. Also, Mark Anderson will join us from the Review Journal. Gilbert Manzano on the Chargers. I'm going to start looking at teams in the division. So I'm going to look at the Chargers, Denver, and Kansas City in the next couple of weeks before I go around and talk about teams that you might not be interested in. I want to keep that focus here on Raider Nation Radio and get everybody fired up. There's only one preseason game, and to me that's a bummer. I would like to go back there for one more home preseason game because, man, that was a zoo. It was amazing to see what was happening. I got there at 2.00. No, probably about 145 
as we were getting ready for the ribbon cutting out front and just to walk around that stadium with all the towels that were put over the chairs and the watches that had the lights during the concert and all that and to see the staff walking around and seeing all the kegs of Modelo, everybody pushing the beers around and getting everything set up. Congratulations to everybody who worked there. You know, it's tough to work now. There's a lot of people that aren't reliable with their jobs and showing up to work here in Vegas. Everybody knows that story. And this place was pushed on Saturday night. I mean, that staff worked their butt off inside Allegiant Stadium to make sure that the service was at a high level. And it was super crowded, and there's a lot of people there. That place was pushed to the limit so far in a preseason game. That's the dress rehearsal for Monday Night Football. And all of it looked pretty good to me again. I covered every inch of that stadium with the television crew as we were doing in-game interviews, and it was interesting to see. Thank God we had a good team around us with badges that could get us on elevators and get us up here and take us underneath, and it was just fantastic. And when we did the post-game show, Eric Allen was laughing at me. He's like, where you been? I've been, I've been everywhere. I was in the 400s. I was down on in the wind club and everywhere in between, and everybody was having a blast. So I want to hear about your experience there. I want to hear from the fans. How do you think the stadium held up in that big game? All right, so I want to know how do you think it held up in that big game as we're opening it up? Aaron and Henderson. Aaron, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead. What's up, JT? Hey, so first and foremost, uh, born and raised in Vegas, uh, Raider fan my whole life. It was everything I hoped for. You know, I've been to the Coliseum many times. Uh, the vibe, you know, it'll get there. Uh, there's lots of new fans, which is okay. But mm-hmm. they'll learn and understand how we get down. <laughs> right. uh, you know, I had to I had to kind of hype everybody up a little bit. I was like, it's too quiet for a Raider game, you know. So I had to chant. People were looking yeah. at me a little funny, but they're going to get used to it. And, you know, they're going to follow because that's how we that's how we do it, you know. Yeah, and you know uh, it's going to be different oh, here. It's, yeah. not, it's not as no diehard as Oakland. You're no. going to have... It'll celebrities, you're going to have tourists coming in there. It's exactly. not going to be that way, but I heard some loud chants in that game. Oh, I just yeah. can't imagine what it's going to be like for Baltimore. There's not going to be a lot of Raven off. fans here. There's not going to be a lot of Raven fans buying tickets, getting in here. That's going to be Raider Nation at its probably loudest point of the season. That stadium is going to hold so much noise. It's going to yeah. be crazy. It's going to shake. You're going to feel it all the way down to Charleston. But, I agree. The, uh, you know, the vibe in there is awesome, you know. Uh, I, I got emotional when the uh, intro video came on before the players came out. You know, seeing the culmination of Vegas and the Raiders is, uh, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. Never in a million years that I think this would happen. Uh, you know, Oakland will always be home forever, Oakland, mm-hmm. but it's here in Vegas now. Vegas is a new home of Raider Nation. And I just want everybody to have a good time, enjoy it, you know, feel mm-hmm. the love, and uh, just win, baby, you know. Take care, JT. Good. Have a Thank you. Man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the crowd was really loud. And there was a lot of intensity in the building. It's a beautiful building. You know, Michael Goddard, the art curator there, the guy who did all the art, we interviewed him in the fourth quarter on the big screen. If he stayed and saw that. And before we got on the big screen, I asked him, I said, well, how does it feel? How are you feeling about this? He goes, no one's seen my art for a year. I mean, other than tours and a couple of people that came in. He goes, I'm just happy that everybody can see what we did here and why this stadium is so great. The stadium is special. It's not the biggest stadium in the world. It's not the most expensive, but it's the home of the Raiders. And when you go in that building for a concert, Guns N' Roses, the Stones, 
Garth Brooks, a soccer game, a fight in the future, WWE, you know you're going into the Raiders stadium. Not something generic that's just a stadium in a city. You're going into the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's why the vision of Mark Davis and everyone behind the scenes was so special. Mark told me after the ribbon cutting, JT, go on the radio and tell everybody this is about the fans who waited this long. That night was about the fans, and the fans were exceptional. Stuart Swigert, former safety for the Raiders, will join us next on Raider Nation Radio. Now we've got fourth and goal from the six-inch line, and here we go. Gruden and the Raiders are going for it. Why not? It's the preseason. Peterman's up underneath James. Hands to Regis. Touchdown, Raiders. Well, that's what you want right there. Oh, it sounded good. That's Brent Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy on the call. Raiders go for it on fourth down, and they score. Crowd went crazy. And Carlos Santana. I better get a Carlos call. Turn this show today. Turn this up. Carlos Santana playing a concert from the torch, looking down as everybody's in their seat. I'm a big Carlos guy, big Carlos guy. And to see him play and for it to sound that good, fantastic. He was great. And he was out at the ribbon cutting and he's a big part of Mark Davis and the Raiders. He was in there talking to everybody behind the scenes. Carlos Santana loves being associated with the Raiders. JT, back with you, we're recapping what happened on Saturday. The game, the experience, the crowd, the ribbon cutting, Everything. If you went, share some stories with us. That's why we have a flagship station to celebrate the Raiders as we continue on. V-Man, out in Henderson, you're up next. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, JT, how's it going? Doing good, thanks. 121. I got to say this, you know, as a, as a Raider fan that's from the North Bay, that's, uh, I've been down here in Vegas since about 2014, it was awesome. And the biggest thing I missed this last year was not being around Raider Nation. And to get out there, we, we pulled into the parking lot, parking lot B, around 1 o'clock. They lined us mm-hmm. up. We waited. The line started falling up behind us. We got in there. We had a good section over there tailgating. I know to tell, uh, section lot B is going to be tailgating all this year. A little hot, a little hot for my blood, but I know it's going to cool down here a little bit. I had a really good time. We went in the stadium. Uh, I've been there a couple times now and can't say enough about that stadium. But you know what? I got one, two comments here. One, yep. getting in and out of that place was such a breeze. I don't know what some of these people are complaining about. Get in there early, tailgate, get out. It was smooth. Now, my section, section 121, and I, 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 I don't know if I need to tell everybody this or not, but, and I know it's a preseason game, but mm-hmm. on third down, you need to be on your feet. You need to be making some noise. I got up on my feet, started trying to get people up. And I looked around, and these people are looking at me like I'm crazy. That's not how Raider Nation rolls. I know you might be new. Let's just get up, get up, make some noise. Stomp your feet, clap your hands, and scream, whatever. But uh, great to see the Raiders get a good, strong win. And, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to bring those Ravens in here and, and smack them around. Yep, thanks for the call. Happy you had a good time in 121. Let us know your section. I know they're making a really big push here on Raider Nation Radio to hear where you're calling in from, Summerlin, Green Valley, Henderson, North Las Vegas, downtown. I'm cool with that, too. I just want to hear good calls. I could care less where you call in from. I just want to hear people that are passionate about the Raiders on their flagship station. And you're right about that. That's a preseason celebrity game. That was, that was a unique game. 
you'll never see anything like that again. That was a one-time event because there's only one preseason game. So if there were two preseason games, I think you'd see the second game. It would still be electric and exciting, and the Raiders would have great entertainment. But this was like the grand opening. It was a ribbon-cutting. That's how it was framed on the scoreboard, ribbon-cutting game. It was about getting fans in the stadium and bringing in and, and thanking the fans. And Mark Davis really went out of his way. They, they were preparing that for weeks. For weeks they were preparing that, the team that we work with. And they wanted that to be perfect because I've been to a few ribbon cuttings here in town that are a mess. They, they start late. They go late. People are upset. You know, then they go inside and they're not in a good mood. Mark Davis said that those doors need to open at 3 o'clock. And we started at a quarter to 3 at 2.45 in that Ford Plaza area and that door opened at three o'clock that was one thing mark davis was really serious about he had his mom with him that thing was going to start on time fans were going to get in there and they were going to have time at three o'clock for a six o'clock game to explore the stadium i thought that was really important and it went off perfectly because the raiders really pulled that those events off nicely 702-365-9200 saul's here in vegas on raider nation radio hello saul saul is gone Ugh. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. James in Vegas. Oh, Stuart. There we got Stuart. Thank you. Stuart Schweiger joins us, former Raider Safety. We are thrilled to have him brought to you by the M Resort and Spa. And Stuart, it was great to see you at the alumni dinner where you walked out of there with a really nice raffle ticket winner. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was very, very, very excited. Uh, you know, first of all, we I came back for the alumni um Reunion last week, and I just want to say the Raiders organization and what Mark Davis is doing with the alumni is is absolutely phenomenal, and it was great to get the Raiders back into my life and for me to get back with the nation. And uh, they had a raffle, and as I'm sitting there, we're kind of I'm talking with with some of the old staff that I that's still on on mm-hmm. some of the people that are still on staff that was there when I was there. And oh, oh man, because when we all got there, there was four helmets. And all the alumni that were there signed these helmets. I thought, wow, that was that's a that's a really cool gift to have. And as I'm saying that, also they say Stuart Schweiger, and I get to go up there, and I won one of the helmets. So it, was, it looks it looks really really awesome. It's in my basement right now with some of my Raider stuff. But good, it was a gift that I was really excited to get. Stuart Schweiger is our guest. You were the career interception record holder at Purdue. You come to the Raiders in 2004. And they expected you to play. Third-round pick, 67th overall. Take me back to your career with the Silver and Black and the expectations you had in that first camp uh, getting on the team. You knew you'd make the team, but who are you competing against? How are you going to get playing time? Well, you know what? Um, you know, going back to those four years when I was with Oakland and, and getting a chance again to go back and see some of my teammates, unfortunately, you know, our, and I'm not saying it's all the offense, but we didn't have very good offenses back then. And mm-hmm. defensively, we had some great teams. Um, you know, in 2006, we were, we were number one passing defense in the NFL, number three overall defense. Uh, I was, I think I was second in the NFL for safeties for tackles with 109, uh, mm-hmm. one behind Chris Holt from the Tennessee Titans. But back in 2004, you know, I come in, and you talk about Rod, uh, I'm Purdue's all-time interception leader with 17. The former record holder was Rod Woodson. And um, he actually was there as I was coming in. He was injured, and then um, I was only with him for that first mini camp. Uh, mm-hmm. But they had you were at Ray Buchanan, and you had uh, Gary Gibson, 
you had uh, Marcus Anderson, obviously Charles Woodson, Nambi Uh Let's see who was uh, uh, Philip Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Not all those were safeties, but coming into that camp, yeah, I was expected to play. And one of the things about my career uh, with the Raiders was when I left, and that's one of the whole reason to, to come back, or I'm excited to come back, was when you leave, you always kind of leave on bad terms. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was there four years, and when I go anywhere, when I was in high school or college, I wanted to be the best at my position. And coming to the Raiders, you know, when I left, you know, didn't get the chance to win a Super Bowl. I, when I came to the Oakland Raiders, you know, in the NFL, I wanted to be uh, NFL All-Pro. I wanted to be in the Hall of Fame, and I wanted to be considered one of the best safeties ever. And unfortunately, I felt I didn't do that. I didn't do what Al Davis wanted me to do. So you always have those. It's it's kind of a disappointing feeling. But when you came, when I came back, just to see the um, the responses from you know again the staff and the fans and having me come back is just it's really awesome. So you know again my career in Oakland, um, it, it just I don't know if a lot of people were get a chance to really see it because you know we didn't play on the, the Monday night games and the Sunday night games because our teams just weren't very good. So all people see. It's just that final score, or they see the you know the final record again. I go back to 2006, JT, and we played the Houston Texans, and we the Houston Texans uh, in Oakland finished the game with negative five passing yards. Yeah, I remember that was that. their stat, and we still lose the game. You know, <clears throat> so if mm-hmm. you look at it, you don't think anyone on the team is good, and unfortunately, we just you know again, for I was there with uh, uh, North Turner for two years. Mm-hmm. And then you had Art Shell, and then you had uh, Lane Kiffin. And when you bring in different coaches and staffs, and they each bring in their players, I mean, we probably had 10 different quarterbacks during those four years when I was there. And it was just tough. It's tough when there's not a lot of consistency. Got it. Stuart Swaggart is our guest. You, you know, I want to get back to that really good defense you played on, number one passing defense, three overall. You know that Gus Bradley now is trying to get guys up yes. to speed, and they, they drafted Trayvon Merrig out of TCU to be the free safety, and John Abram, who you've seen, has been injured, mm-hmm. but he's a really hard-hitting guy. Uh, just from knowing this team a little bit, and I know you'll dive into it more when the season starts, what do the Raiders need to do to get a passing defense like the one you played for? Because they got Casey Hayward, Trayvon Mullen, Arnett's a yep. high draft pick. They upgraded that defensive line. Stewart, is it about the pass rush that gives you the ability of a safety to become a ball hawk? Or is it just you got to have guys who can tackle in space and cover anybody, anytime, anywhere? Well, JT, I mean, you you kind of you kind of said it right there. I mean, it does really start up front, you know. And back then, like I told you in that 2006, you know, guys like Derek Burgess and Trevell Sands and Warren Sapp and Tyler Brayton, we had guys that were able to get to the quarterback. And then you have to have corners that can play. You know, Raiders. I mean, we like to play that man-to-man defense outside, but. When I watched the game this past week weekend, I was very impressed with the defense. I and mean, everything I've been hearing about Bradley has just been phenomenal. I mean, if he's half as good as the players and everyone that talks about him, I mean, we're going to have a great year. But the thing that I saw and was getting back involved with the fans and, and the Raiders is it just seemed like he made things simple for the guys. They were able to go out there and let their athleticism and their football ability um, shine where they're not thinking about stuff. And, and I don't know much about last year, but I know the old defensive coordinator, he seemed like he made things complicated. And teams that I was on, 
unfortunately, sometimes you have coaches that they think the bigger the playbook, the more terminology, all that type of stuff. Yeah, that looks great when they go to coaching clinics. But when you're talking about players out there, you want to keep things simple. And that's what I saw. I saw guys playing fast. I saw guys having fun. I saw guys communicating. I saw corners coming up and making really nice tackles on the edge. I mean, you, you saw uh, when they were playing uh, last week that they were using that screen a lot. And those uh-huh. corners are coming up, and they're making really nice tackles. And I don't, I'm still diving into the defense. I started off with looking at the safeties. And the one thing that I really like is they're all they're big and they're physical. And, uh-huh. you know, they can, they can cover in space. But I just like the fact that these guys are coming up they're making tackles. They're wrapping up. They're playing sound football. I mean, basic football. Again, playing with speed. They're not having to think out there. And they're coming up and they're making nice form tackles. Nice. Stuart Swaggart, as we wrap it up, former Raider safety. Once a Raider, always a Raider. So tell us what's going on in your life now. How important is it for you to be defined as a Raider? You were just back for alumni weekend. And what's next in your life, Stuart? <clears throat> well, okay, so... Uh, you know, once I left Oakland, you know, I went to Washington for a little bit. I went to uh, New York Giants, finished my NFL career with the Detroit Lions. Uh, played a little, bit, a little bit in the UFL for the Omaha Nighthawks. Had some businesses that I owned up in uh, uh, Saginaw, Michigan, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And then about 2017, I, I brought my family. Uh, we moved down to uh, West Lafayette, Indiana, where Purdue is. Uh, that's where I met my wife. We've been together for 20 years. We have... Four children. I have a 12-year-old daughter, a 7-year-old daughter, a 3-year-old son, a 2-year-old daughter. And wow. actually, as of March, I was awarded total and permanent disability through the NFL, which about 2000, I'd say about 2015, 2013, I started noticing some issues with memory loss, <clears throat> impulse control. And through some of the processes of going through and getting evaluated, probably found out I had probably, I don't know, over 50 to 60 concussions during my NFL career. So uh, the last eight years I've been dealing with it, you know, through uh, therapy and um, medication. And that's one of the things that I think is great about this alumni thing is getting around these older players and just, hey, how are things going? You know, how are you doing? How's work? Are you struggling with this? And there's a lot of guys that are having some issues with things. And since I've gone through the process, it's been great to be able to talk to them and just kind of be a voice saying, hey, I'm dealing with some of the same stuff, man. You got to talk to people. You got to get. You got to get into medication. You got to go, you know, see a professional, get things going because guys don't know how to handle it. And as a football player, you know this, JT. You know, you don't show weakness. You don't talk about that type of stuff. And it's great for the Raiders to be calling these guys and checking in with them. And it's it's literally saving the lives of some of these NFL players. Right. This is important to me. You know, Shannon Jordan and the whole department there. And what Mark Davis thinks about the mental health of the players and obviously the physical well-being of all the players. You have your legacy brick. You get invited back. But I'm really happy, Stuart, you shared that with us because you're a young guy and you got young kids and you got to get right. And if you need help from the league and the organization and they could set you up and help you medically and keep the testing coming, I mean, that's what it's about, man. You're part of this family, but everybody wants you to remain healthy and vibrant with your life. So... I'm really – I think it's important you said that. I think it's going to have an impact on a lot of people who are listening, and hopefully we'll see you out here a little bit more, make some trips to some home games out here so we can hang out and have a great time at the games. Well, here you go, JT. Um, I will be out there for the home opener. The Raiders wow. have actually asked me to come back. Yeah, so I'm, 
I'll be flying out there. I'm coming back for the home opener. I know they're I'm going to be there, you know, going through and talking to some of the sweet holders and fans. And that's one thing. The Raider Nation, I just that once a Raider, always a Raider. You think, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. But I mean, with what the what they're doing and the the way that it makes people feel. I mean, for 15 years, I did I I wanted nothing to do with the Raiders. I couldn't watch the Raiders. I couldn't I couldn't look at NFL football because I just felt I was a failure out there. And knowing that these guys are back is such a huge part of my life now that I hopefully you can see the excitement in my voice here because yeah. it's so great to be able to talk about this stuff. And again, when I talk to guys from other teams, they're like, man, the Raiders are really trailblazing as far as getting alumni back and really meaning it. And again, you're talking about the difference between life and death with some of these players and yeah. knowing that, oh my God, that I, they do appreciate what I did. And maybe all of it was worth it. Again, you're saving the lives of players. So, I mean, it is, I can't explain how important it is enough, but I'll be out there Monday, and I want to be involved as much as I can. <clears throat> and right. anything you ever need, JT, I, you know, you have my number, and I'd love to come back on the show and talk a little later we football. Will. We will do it 100%. This is an important interview for all of us. Thanks for doing it. Be safe. I'll talk to you when you get out here. I'll see you the weekend of Monday night. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Go Raiders. You got it. Stuart Swigert. Played at a high level for the Raiders. He had one hell of a year, as he talked about, that one year in 2006 with all the tackles. He had 107 tackles, 86 solo, 21 assisted. He was good. He was solid. But it's much more important that these interviews show you once a Raider, always a Raider. He was out of the team, out of the process, and now he's back in. How is that? Because the Raiders alumni department reach out and they they care about their well-being. That's the takeaway of all these interviews. Forget about when they played or how they played. They're part of your family right here in the Raider Nation. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, You know, after... Almost feels like two years of, of really playing, you know, so it was fun to play in front of fans. Like you said, the atmosphere was great. Um, first kind of game in front of fans in Vegas, it was, it was pretty fun. So just thankful for the opportunity and, uh, yeah, had fun. JT, back with you as we continue. How about that? You have a great opportunity with Carlos Santana there. If you were at the show, JT, ready to roll this week. Rams will get into the practices and the game coming up. James in Vegas, thanks for holding. You're on deck. Go ahead, James. Hey, how you doing, JT? Great, man. How you doing? Oh, good. I was at the game. I was in a section 127. And fortunately enough, I was in the same section as the violator. So I got a chance to take pictures with him, and uh, I enjoyed Carlos Santana. I enjoyed the whole atmosphere. Uh, I spoke with you before the Hall of Fame game uh, about the old Raiders of Lippincoff and the Mad Bomber. Mm-hmm. But, man, the atmosphere out there, man, I just wish Al Davis was around to see this. Because, man, they got a show that got put together there that they're going to bring us a Super Bowl. And that's all yeah. I had to say, JT. And uh, I listen to you every day. Thank you. means a lot to me that you listen. means everything that we have listeners here. Appreciate oh, it. One Thank thing, you. I will go sure. try to catch you and get uh, beer with you at the end of the game, but I had to work Sunday. 
Well, I, I got to do the post game show after the game. I'm the last guy out of there, so come get. We're gonna do the we're gonna do the pre and post game from the M Resort when the team's on the road. We start there this weekend, so if you get a chance, come say hi to us. We're gonna have great crowds over at the M. We got a big event there Friday night, and we're kicking it off. So we hope to see you out at the M when the team's on the road. That's the best place to catch up with me. All right, thank you, JT. You got it. You got it. You know, for that for this past game, I gave my tickets away to one of my good friends who sat in my seats. And then I went to halftime. Halftime, we went down to my seats. I went to the Twitch Lounge, and a bunch of my friends were there waking up with the Wagners. Dana and Kim Wagner were there. And we we had a drink, and I was looking up, and we were just sitting on the edge of the Twitch Lounge where my seats were. I've never sat in my seats before. And my wife and my son sat in them at practice. I've never been, I've been to my seats, but I've never sat in them. So I sat there for Santana, took a load off for a minute, and I was in heaven. I was in heaven. To hear Carlos, I was looking up towards the torch, and he's jamming, and the screens have his his face up there, and his band is so good. I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I loved that night. It was a memorable night in my career for me and my family, and I hope you had a great time out there. Big hour coming up next. We continue talking about the game.